Hello everyone and welcome to 2018 Chat with the Designers, your live interactive monthly magazine for hams, homebrewers, and experimenters across the fruited plains. Your co-hosts are George N2APB and Joe N2CX and we are excited to bring you tonight's show. We have a really exciting season set up for this year here on Chat with the Designers. As you know, of course, from our advertisement in advance and now the whiteboard, this is the year of test equipment. And we've entitled the whole sequence as Test Equipment You Can Build. With just about that kind of a mantra, there's something to test. If there's something to measure, if there's something to check out to make sure it's working right, there's got to be a way to measure it. And we're going to find a way to do that. From the simplistic to the uh, the more esoteric, perhaps, the whole idea is to get something that you can build on your bench by yourself with some parts that either come from us here in chat with the designers or easily through different sources or right from your toolbox or your uh, parts box. And you can easily build it on your bench. As Joe is fond of saying, and Joe, why don't you take it uh, just a moment here to talk about how uh, even simple testers uh, can be good enough because you don't need the most expensive piece of test equipment to uh, to get by on our hand benches. Indeed, yes. Uh, as George alluded to, I'm a, a great proponent of good enough design. Um, you don't have, you don't have to have overkill to uh, to do many many things, and we hams want to. Um, fancy gadgets are nice, um, but quite often you can uh, you can do with something that's uh, not a um, uh, $10,000 piece of test equipment. I'm, I come from a background where I, I was used to, uh, very fancy, uh, state of the art new test equipment and, um, found that that's, uh, convenient when you're, when you're at work. But, uh, for many things at home, you can often womp up something that, uh, is adequate to do the job. You don't, um, many of us have, uh, vector network analyzers and they're very nice for a lot of things. But, uh, for example, for antennas, there are uh, some very simple antenna analyzers that are a heck of a lot cheaper. And, um, in fact, they don't uh, overload you with too darn much antenna, so you get confused. Most of the time, um, you might want impedance, RNX, resistance, and um, reactance, but uh, quite often SWR is good, good enough. enough. So, so something, something like, like that, that will do the trick. Do the trick. Um, um, George, George, I'm having I'm trouble bringing the whiteboard up. Um, I have refreshed the browser, and I do not see a link for it. You don't see a link for the uh, for the whiteboard from the homepage? That is correct. I got into it. Yeah, it's showing yeah, you, Joe, weird. underneath the uh, next show line. It says, follow along during the show. Do you see it now? No, I don't. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Are you sure you're refreshing? Um, is there anybody else who's not reached the uh, the whiteboard page? Joe, you're kind of uh, essential for this. I hope you can uh, figure out, tell you what. Um, it follows the same format as I usually do. Um, I'm going to put it, oh, somebody else already put it in the text box. So, Joe, check the text box and just click on it. Okay, got it. Thank you. All right. Um, good enough. Thanks an awful lot for uh, for posting that. So, um, yeah, good enough is good enough, and I think that's going to be good enough for us. So, uh, oh, I wanted to remind ourselves uh, that um, we are going to be, toward the end of the show, I'll give you a brief update on where we are with the GPSDO. It's our intention, maybe as soon as um, uh, next uh, episode, to finish off that project with about a half an hour of um, 
uh, at most, um, to go over the GPSDO motherboard, which will then pull the different pieces uh, together for those of you who have been building along with us, and um, you'll be able to, to finish off that project. Got it uh, working here on the bench, and it's really, really quite nice. Also, um, in a coming episode, uh, we're going to have, well, we'll have some guest speakers from time to time. Um, uh, Professor Joe Jessen, K, Casey, um, Joe, where's your, what's your, where's your call, JJ? I don't see it there, but, um, KC something. Go ahead. I think, I think he changed it to something like K2JEG, didn't he? Or GEJ or whatever it is. Uh, he dropped off for now. <laughs> okay, so anyways, Joe Jessen, uh, J-E-J, yeah, KC2JEJ, um, is a professor over at uh, um, New Jersey, the College of New Jersey, and um, he gave a tremendous, and I mean tremendous, presentation at Princeton oh, last November or October, and um, on the overview and the history of radio, with specifically um, uh, spy and clandestine radios uh, in mind. And I asked, and he agreed that uh, he would love to make a, a dedicated presentation of that for us here on Chat with the Designers sometime soon. So we're going to look forward to that coming along from uh, JJ, as we call him, to keep keep it separate from Joe and to CX. So uh, Dr. Joe will be here sometime in the future too. So let's let's uh, let's get down into our game plan for 2018. As you'll see from the uh, from our whiteboard, we have a matrix of, oh, I don't know, approximately 12, well, exactly 12 um, items that are kind of super categories, we call them. Joe and I uh, sat down over many beers um, this fall and came up with uh, this game plan, and we figured this might be the easiest way to kind of represent what we have in mind. We, we looked at the, well, we looked uh, back at what we've done in the previous 86 episodes, and we did kind of a kind of a potpourri of different topics uh, ranging from ham topics to basic electronics to special gadgets to uh, radios, uh, you name it. And you can indeed look through all of those uh, episodes that we did on our homepage. And by the way, you can review them all, including all of the podcasts, in case you didn't uh, know that. But we decided, uh, well, we put out some feelers last year, uh, toward the end of last year, to um, a great handful of people, um, regular attendees and listeners of the podcast. And then resounding uh, feedback came along the lines of, we want to, uh, we, we really enjoy test equipment. We want to figure out how we can measure these things. In fact, just today, I didn't get a chance to answer the fellow, but uh, he says, how can I determine what kind of spectrum quality is coming out of my NC40A after the first mixer, the 602 mixer? I didn't get a chance to respond to him, but along the lines, it's going to be along the lines of the uh, spectrum measurement uh, discussion episode that we plan on having there, as you see it in column one. Um, but it's that kind of usage of this kind of uh, test equipment that, that we felt was going to be really, really advantageous. Um, Joe, why don't we kind of ping pong back and forth uh, through this matrix and just chat briefly about each of the boxes to give uh, our listeners a bit of an idea of where our heads were at when not leaning into the beer uh, uh, into the beer uh, mugs. Um, 
And uh, why don't you just kind of briefly describe DC measurements, and I'll take the next one. There's a tear in my beer. No, anyway. Okay, DC measurements. Yeah, that's the um, that's the basis of an awful lot of things. Um, having having an instrument that can accurately and precisely measure, um, particularly DC voltages and currents, is integral to um, many uh, test things you want to do. There'll be gadgets added to um, to convert things to a DC that you want to read. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with uh, digital multimeters that you can find around. If you're lucky enough, you can climb um, on to some of the um, cheapies and um, every once in a while freebie uh, digital multimeters from uh, Harbor Freight. I have uh, several. Uh, in fact, um, <laughs> they... The uh, free ones come along so frequently that the batteries don't wear out before I've got a new one, so I never have to change batteries. Um, they're okay. They're good enough for many uses, but um, they're commercial test equipment. Uh, they're commercial things by um, other test equipment manufacturers. Hewlett-Packard um, comes to mind immediately, or Agilent these days, um, although there's an intermediate range that you can generally get from uh, Mauser or Digikey, some of the other folks, um, digital multimeters in the um, 30 to $50 range that are adequate for most things. If you want really precise things, you'll, you'll get a, a commercial instrument, and even used, that's going to be uh, several hundred dollars. But what we're going to try to do is to... Um, I'll split the difference here. We're going to um, show you how to uh, make some homebrew adapters um, with a for an Arduino controller um, to give you the ability to measure um, DC voltage and current um, along and have a display on a liquid crystal display on LCD that is reasonably easy to do and uh, not too expensive, and you can tailor it to uh, whatever you want to do. Leading um, or ta taking off on that, um, once you're able to read DC and get it into the Arduino, as we'll see later, um, you'll be able to do some automated measurements and do some uh, fancy tricks that having a little intelligence in your test equipment uh, uh, gives you the facility to do. Next topic, George. Alrighty, good one, Joe. And uh, you kind of led the target a little bit there, which is perfect. As you see in the bottom right-hand corner, we talk about bringing it all together. We're calling each one of the things that we build, and there will be multiple ones in each of these categories, um, well, in some of the categories. And um, for the lack of uh, anything else, we're, we're kind of starting off with uh, um, the term test gadget. And for each of these test gadgets, the idea is to independently test uh, that particular function, to use that particular test function um, in a test bed. And we felt that uh, the Arduino is uh, currently vogue still and very popular on the bench and is easy to understand and, and to modify. So what we decided to do is to pull together a standard test bed, um, a test gadget measurement station, if you will, that uh, is very pluggable and uh, extensible. Um, you'll see as we get into this episode, and I'm sure you all are scrolling down the, the whiteboard, you see how we have identified some really inexpensive and flexible, nice quality prototyping boards 
And when you couple that to a baseboard that, uh, or you plug these things into a baseboard such as shown in the middle that contains an Arduino, a display, and maybe a, uh, uh, a rotary encoder, We've got the the means to really um, test and exercise a given module that we'll be building up. Hopefully, you'll be building up as well. And um, um, over the course of some 11 months, uh, 12 months, uh, ostensibly for the year, you'll be able to um, have a good collection of equipment that you can build. At the end of the day, quite well, quite literally at the end of the year, when we do bring it together as a system, then there's likely not going to be enough power, memory, or data storage in a Nano, which is the um, the Arduino Nano is the little platform that we're using for the incremental test board. Um, so we might need to have a little bit more power, and there are more powerful um, Arduinos. Um, and maybe that power, more powerful Arduino will be the basis or the heart of the uh, the overall test gadget measurement station that will be able to contain um, all of the gadgets and then ultimately um, automate, have the ability to automate the uh, test scenarios and test uh, or data acquisition or reporting. Um, much of what we do is repetitive in nature, such as collecting diode um, drop voltage readings um, and putting them into a list and sorting that list and, and finding the maximum value. Or, and a lot of that can be done in some of the more powerful lab management systems. Um, was it LabVIEW, Joe? I can't remember the name now. Yeah, I think that's the one. Okay, so LabVIEW is a commercial package, maybe costs a grand or two. Um, <clears throat> which is not too conducive to easily buying. So we decided that, of course, to bring all, all together our, our topics and, and figure out how we can use them in our way here on the ham community. And that's, uh, that's again, forms the basis of this platform direction that uh, I've just uh, described. <clears throat> the second one on the list there is the audio generator. As it says, we intend on testing tones and squirting those, being able to uh, squirt those tones into filters and amplifiers to determine distortion, linearity, uh, IMD. Um, two tones together, if properly spaced, can test for IMD um, uh, quite nicely. And a uh, and it doesn't have to be a very elaborate. Maybe stable, but uh, not not too elaborate. Um, not only the equipment is what we'll be going through um, the circuits and how to build it but also the techniques of, of how to use it. So each one of these little modules will be a self-contained little um, tutorial, if you will, on the topic of building and using and understanding the data that's collected from your test gadget. RF generators, Joe. Oh, boy, that's a good one. I love RF generators. Um, there are any number of uh, choices you can you can uh, use for uh, uh, RF generators. The very simplest would be um, a single frequency uh, crystal oscillator or a very simple VFO, variable frequency oscillator. Um, and um, many of us who've done homebrewing have done that. And in fact, um, I believe it's Alicraft in some of their kits has some built-in uh, test oscillators to assist you in um, calibrating, um, to tweaking and calibrating their uh, their kits. Um, Going from the very simple oscillators, um, you might want to add some buffering um, to have a, um, a low impedance output so that uh, you can drive a, um, drive a load 
an RF load and uh, and know that you're not loading down the output level. Um, what's quite often done in um, in RF testing is to actually have a, uh, a precise 50 ohm output impedance from the RF generator so that it matches the 50 ohms that you often use in um, uh, in the other RF circuits. And uh, you can calibrate the output level if um, if you calibrate it into a 50 ohm load and know exactly what you're getting. Um, with a little little added complexity, you can put something like a step attenuator on there. And if you have a uh, an output a known output level of say zero dBm, which is uh, 223.6 millivolts RMS into 50 ohms, uh, you can use a, a step attenuator following the RF generator to knock that down to uh, lower levels, um, no, known levels, which is very important when you're doing measurements. Some of the um, simple um, other oscillator chips that uh, can be used are the uh, SI5351, which is listed here. There are others, but the 5351 is currently probably the um, the cheapest one available. Very handy, digitally programmable, and it provides multiple outputs. Um, the output is relatively clean. It's not not perfect, but it's relatively clean. One example of a homebrew RF generator that um, the um, I'm trying to remember the uh, the name of the uh, Yahoo group. Um, it was led by um, um, K7QO, um, whose name escapes me at the moment. Brain brain fade. At any rate, it was the what he called the 8640 generator. Uh, 8640 generator. Junior, dag nabbit. Um, the 8640 was an HP um, piece of test equipment tunable. Um, signal generator with an attenuator on the output. Uh, very good generator covered from um, 455 or 450 kilohertz up to um, over a gigahertz in some of its uh, manifestations. Had a uh, calibrated output level and an output attenuator. And the 8640 generator that uh, um, <laughs> George Chuck. is laughing because I can't remember his name. Chuck. Go ahead, George. Chuck. Oh, Chuck, yes. Chuck Adams. Good Lord. The Adams family. <sighs> Brain fade, like I said. At any rate, the 8640 is a an example of something um, fairly simple, but uh, very good for uh, most of the uh, types of things a ham would want to do. So it's a uh, it's a nice target. Um, we may, not, not certain how uh, things are going to turn out, we may... Uh, May duplicate some of that. We may steal some ideas for our own uh, for our own use, and something use something like the SI5351 as opposed to a uh, an LC tuned oscillator or a uh, simple homebrew uh, RF generator. And when you have an RF generator and you're generating RF signals, um, something you will want to do is do some RF measurements, which I'm sure George will be able to discuss next. Indeed, we can. Um, we'll keep these uh, these descriptions just high level and uh, one minute max, just so that we can get through all of them before we can get, so we can get into the uh, other material too. RF measurements uh, are going to be everything from low power up to well QRP power, then and then ultimately higher power than that. Anything from a, some, a small, simple diode probe to compensated diode probes and other kinds of uh, 
compensation methods to make sure that the uh, power is accurately being represented. Um, the uh, measurement of filter performance and uh, for the higher power yet, we'll be dealing with uh, ways to build some taps and, uh, and dummy loads too, which are essential when measuring RF power on the bench. We'll be tapping into previous episodes worth of material too. So it's not going to be totally repetitive and we'll be building on what we've already learned. Joe, spectrum measurement. Okay, another one of my favorite subjects. Um, those who are well healed um, buy spectrum analyzers. Now, if you buy a brand new commercial one, it's going to cost you several thousand dollars. It's handy, it's, uh, it's nice, and you can see all sorts of things. But there are many ways that um, you can look at a spectrum with some relatively simple um, test equipment um, to wit a so-called measurement receiver, which you can, instead of having a graphic display of all frequency spectrum, you can tune to individual frequencies, tune across the spectrum, and look at the signal components at individual frequencies in there, which would be of interest. For example, if you have a... Um, an 80 meter transmitter, you might want to tune to 40 or to the harmonics, let's say. So if you have a measurement receiver that can measure the harmonics individually, you can just tune to those harmonics and look at the relative level of those harmonics uh, as compared to the, uh, the main signal at the lowest frequency. In addition, there's some other things, signal quality type things, having to do with, uh, as George mentioned earlier, intermodulation distortion and um, spurious products from uh, transmitters, from oscillators and transmitters that um, you look at in, in spectrum measurement to see how good a signal is. On to, um, speaking of graphical uh, domain, onto oscilloscopes, George. Oscilloscope measurements are really, really uh, kind of a basis for what we do as hams. Um, if you don't have yourself a scope, you should get yourself one that can be inexpensive. They don't have to be very uh, high bandwidth uh, or fast, in other words. Um, but you'll be extending your capabilities as a ham, as a home brewer, like immensely. We're going to depend a lot. We're going to lean a lot on uh, Ellen Wolke, uh, W2AEW's compendium of oscilloscope um, YouTubes. Uh, he did a wonderful, in fact, we'll probably have him um, um, as a co-host during that session. But um, how to use the scope, how to read the, uh, interpret the results, how to make adapters for it. All these different things are, are really exciting and quite doable on our bench. And we're going to try to cover all of them in this compendium of oscilloscope measurements. Crystal filters, Joe. Okay, another uh, handy topic. Those of you who um, um, were present um, in our last series where we did the um, SW30 transceiver um, should be familiar with crystal filters. They're a, a good, inexpensive way of um, providing uh, selectivity in our receivers, good selectivity. And um, there are various uh, configurations for the filters. But in order to get the optimum performance out of them, um, you have to do things like um, measuring the uh, individual crystals, sorting them into um, crystals within a, uh, a certain tolerance of the exact frequency you want for your uh, um, intermediate frequency in a receiver, for example. So you have to measure the frequency. You have to do selection to get them um, um, on the right frequencies. 
and uh, then matching um, matching the impedances at the end. And when you have a filter all together, you think it's working very well. Then you do you use an RF generator and some sort of spectrum measurement to use so that you can actually measure the um, the passband of the uh, filter. And there's some other tricks that you can do to uh, measure the uh, crystal filter uh, parameters, the bandwidth and such, that um, also use some very simple um, techniques and equipment that's not very expensive. If you have a PC and um, you have a, um, well, actually the PC is about all you need. Um, PC and some sort of um, um, means of uh, receiving the uh, signal you have to have the receiving part of the receiver there and then a uh, an oscilloscope at any rate we'll we'll get into a simple way of um, assessing the bandwidth and um, the uh, ripple across the top of the crystal filter without uh, breaking the bank speed of breaking the bank one of the uh, ham's favorite topics is antennas so antenna antennas are very important and antenna measurements are very important I can be a ham without an antenna. I just uh, shout extra loud into my microphone, Joe. Um, antenna measurements are close and near and dear to everybody's heart, and they're one of the easiest things to experiment with as hams. And we're going to try to cover the uh, the broad swath of uh, things from ATUs, the automatic uh, tuning units, or even just tuning units in general, not automatic, um, balanced versus unbalanced, uh, SWR especially, uh, complex impedance or Z, uh, different analyzers on the market and some of the limitations of them. If you haven't al already kind of gathered it, what we are trying to do is feature a major mm, project or implementation that you can ultimately build yourself, even independent of the test you know, the, the test gadget measurement station. And this one here, we'll be talking about the WTEE antenna analyzer, as was uh, shown at FDIM last year, and also in, I think it was November or December QST. Um, a really, really cool homebrew, inexpensive antenna analyzer um, with a, with a, just a dynamically, uh, um, cool uh, graphical display. So we'll be highlighting and featuring and dissecting that in this episode too. T Joe, it's going to start getting hot now. How about some talk about the temperature? I wish it'd get hot around here. I'd like to go out and do some portable operating. I've been freezing my giblets off uh, lately. Anyway, um, temperature is relatively easy to measure these days. There are some um, very inexpensive integrated circuits you can use that um, give you a um, predictable output um, that you can measure with a um, with a DC voltmeter um, or a, a microprocessor to uh, to measure temperature and uh, do it with um, pretty good accuracy and uh, excellent um, precision. There are also um, digital multimeter adapters available. You can buy ready-made that just plug into a digital multimeter and um, show you um, what the, uh, allow you to measure temperature. Um, many times when we're building things, particularly um, oscillators, we want to uh, compensate the oscillator across frequency or across um, temperature to maintain stable uh, frequency. And we want to look at um, the warm-up uh, drift and 
um, the drifting as it as just sits uh, in a uh, a room temperature environment. So being able to measure the temperature, you can assess how stable an oscillator is. And along those lines, um, if you're measuring frequency, you need a stable uh, a stable time base for your uh, measurement uh, for your frequency counter, whatever frequency measuring device you have. And the GPSDO, Disciplined Oscillator, that George mentioned earlier, is an excellent means of getting a very precise, stable, repeatable um, time-based source for um, measuring uh, frequency, um, which uh, gets you away to some extent from needing stable temperature, but it's used in measuring, uh, measuring frequency um, drift with um, frequency measuring uh, equipment. Speaking of frequency, George, um, let's hit it. Uh, as is frequently the case. Um, the frequency uh, we've touched on before in previous episodes, and again, this is another thing that is uh, really uh, um, of special interest to us hams. Um, it's not too tough to make uh, a frequency measurement. We'll go through a, a variety of techniques, a couple of them that we've touched on before, maybe another one that hasn't been. Um, some kits that are available that are really inexpensive from the usual sources here on the, on the ham side, and then then uh, figure out how and what we can do with it here in our uh, test gadget measurement station. Uh, PC-assisted testing is along that line, too, where we pull together different components that we've already built up and, uh, um, again, use automated techniques to pull in measurements, store them, or further crunch them. We'll be covering in this in that uh, section, too, the uh, a collection, uh, essentially, of computation programs uh, that you likely have seen some of, but uh, Joe and I have been collecting a, um, a really long list of such programs that are great to have as part of a library. Um, we've seen some in, in other uh I like this, uh, the AWRL handbooks and, and online different websites have it. Um, we'll be maintaining our own set here of tried and true versions. Plus, there is um, a whole category of that I've taken particular interest in and been working on kind of on the, on the side here is to be using my a PC to control and measure different uh, things on the bench. Not really too novel, but getting a nice, fully integrated type of uh, PC view into all of uh, your test measurements, maybe through the test gadget measurement station, maybe through a GPIB type of uh, arrangement that Daisy changed through existing equipment that has that kind of an interface, or maybe even, you know, controlling one's uh, rig via a CAT or a CIV type of uh, controller to the uh, to the PC. Um, I'm integrating a, a, uh, a display, a, a separate uh, PC display in my new lab that I've been building up down in Tennessee, and I'll be going down there um, within three months or so I'll be there. I'm looking to see if Jim is with us here today. Jim is uh, a ham down in the same village that I'll be moving to, and um, he and I have made some plans to connect up. But um, in my new lab, I'll be centering everything about the uh, about a around a computer controller with a nice dis- uh, display, and you can be guaranteed that I'll be having my uh, my own test management my test gadget measurement station in there. Joe, why don't you? Uh, if you, if you would, maybe take five minutes at most, 
please. And uh, go through the nano digital voltmeter, kind of uh, our vision of of uh, the background and what leads us up to the implementation that we call the DC voltmeter test gadget. All righty. Um, yeah, as, as we've uh, mentioned earlier, uh, many of the things we we'll want to do in uh, in our test equipment gadgets are measuring DC voltage, measuring and displaying DC voltage. So using a, um, a nano, a, an Arduino nano, which is a small processor, I think we're going to talk about that a little more later. Um, it has a multiplicity of um, inputs and outputs, which are both digital and analog. Um, some of the analog inputs are connected to internal 10-bit analog-to-digital converters, which convert an analog input voltage to a, um, a digital number inside the computer. And uh, the Nano has a 10-bit um, resolution, which means that it has 1,023 steps. Um, in the uh, uh, the basic device, the input uh, voltage range, the analog input voltage range is 0 to 5 volts. Um, so when you measure that in 10 bits, you can resolve down to um, one part in uh, 1023 or about um, a 1,000 steps, which is a pretty darn good resolution. Um, in fact, uh, displaying that cheapo uh, cheapo digital multimeters don't do that well. So it is very, very good. Um, since it is a, uh, a zero to five volt device, you have to scale that somehow to uh, to use the voltmeter for um, basically higher voltage levels. So there is a um, we've come up with a means of doing that. And if you if you look at the pattern of the ranges in most test equipment, they're usually in a um, uh, range of one to five patterns. For example, a one volt, two volts, five volts would be the different ranges. And starting with a basic range for the nano of five volts, the um, the ranges we've come up with as uh, most handy, easiest to do right off are zero to five volts, zero to 10 volts, zero to 20 volts, and zero to 50 volts um, to give you um, the ability to measure many of the things we'll want to do, at least with the solid state uh, equipment. Tubes be higher voltage. You'd have to do other things. Um, some of the considerations in using something like a nano is that um, because of the uh, internal crosstalk, as it turns out, you need to feed it from um, something that is uh, uh, fairly low impedance. Um, if you try to f um, use anything that's uh, higher than uh, 10 kilohms, uh, it's going to screw up the internal accuracy. So we've we've uh, decided to uh, basically build a, um, a 10 kilohm device. Uh, to be truthful, what you're measuring has to be um, uh, much lower than that in order to preserve accuracy. Uh, for example, probably a couple hundred ohms to to be in the one percent error range um, because of loading of the nano. But this is a practical measure. And another practical consideration is that. Um, you have to limit uh, the voltage applied to the nano between the uh, supply voltage, VCC, which is in our case 5 volts, and um, on the positive side, um, VCC plus 0.5 volts. So that would be a total of 5.5 volts. And you can't let it go much more negative um, below ground than half a volt so that you don't zap the chip. 
So anyway, uh, we have a scheme for doing that. Um, simple resistive dividers can provide this scaling, as we'll see shortly, to uh, do it, a um, series of switched resistors. And we use a couple of Schottky diodes um, on this uh, input divider to keep from zapping the chip. So as I say, there are limitations to it. Um, you need to switch the dividers. We're going to do it manually at first. Um, in the future, quite possibly, we'll do it uh, automatically. And um, the input resistance voltmeter is only only good uh, at 10 kilohms for 10 kilohms. Um, practically speaking, you want to drive it with uh, a lower impedance source. But this is good enough for many applications. And um, another possibility in the future is um, using a an external digital multimeter chip that um, has much more capability for doing um, both DC and AC measurements. Um, Tying into uh, it's uh, the digital inputs in the nano to uh, to uh, make it a, a much more versatile, more universal uh, voltmeter. Um, George, you want to talk about the DC voltmeter gadget? Yeah, this is a good time to take a quick break and maybe poll to see if there are any questions or um, if there's uh, just something that you, you you've thought about before. Maybe we didn't clear it up uh, well enough. Are there any questions out there before we kind of uh, continue on to the actual implementation of the uh, DC voltmeter test gadget? Yeah, Pat, is that you? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. So a question. As you were uh, leading in through this, you talked about using the nano as the individual sessions we go through. Is there a view of a motherboard or something like that at the end? Yes, indeed. There's, uh, well, you can see the view of the motherboard that we're going to use uh, from session to session, uh, just down a little bit later, uh, down further in the screen, in the, in the whiteboard. Um, and the idea is, and I'm sure you all have taken a look at the pluggability nature of the, of the protoboards that we've selected. The idea is that we'll have a different plug-in board, a plug-in protoboard for each of the different gadgets that we're going to build, the voltmeter gadget, um, current um, um, measurement uh, gadget, frequency measurement gadget, and so on. Uh, by the time we end up, we'll, you'll have a collection of 12 to 20 different gadgets on these very inexpensive protoboards that you could take and plug in on a moment's notice. But as Joe was alluding to, um, there may be better versions of, of a test gadget that we'll come up with along the way. Like the, uh, for this one here, we're going to, we won't talk too much about it, but we'll point you, I'm pointing you to it and I've copied a little block diagram at the bottom. A DMM chip, a digital voltmeter, I'm sorry, a digital multimeter, uh, chip, a 40 pin chip that, uh, does a lot of things really well, including auto scaling and, uh, current, voltage, and uh, resistance all in the same chip that is nicely interfaced to a controller such that, such like a, an Arduino, that could be, uh, that could be done. Um, so you'll have a collection of those, uh, of those small boards. Now, maybe what you're really getting to is at the very end of the, uh, of the whole series. Yeah, the, op the, uh, the goal will be to have a, a motherboard with a higher capability Arduino, uh, something like a, uh, oh shucks, it is, um, I can't think of the name now. In fact, the, the, the W-A-T-E-E -E antenna analyzer uses one of these. It's a power, 
uh, Arduino with more memory and uh, greater speed, enough capacity to handle multiple functions at the same time. To that same end, too, maybe we'll take some of these same modules and provide a motherboard that would take, or a motherboard, uh, or, uh, or a harness that would take these multiple boards in and uh, use them all in the same fashion, addressing them as needed by this uh, Mama Arduino. And, uh, you know, then that can end up, that can well end up as the end test measurement station, you know, that we would be proud to have going forward. Okay, thanks. Good. Any other questions? Yeah, Rick. Wouldn't be CWTD without a question from me. Um, On the section on oscilloscopes, uh, people thinking about purchasing something to do those kinds of exercises. Uh, Would one of the simple um, inexpensive oscilloscopes built around an LCD panel, would that be sufficient uh, for uh, doing what you want to do? Your audio isn't quite as crisp as it usually was last time, Rick. Um, Can you state your question again? Oh, okay. Uh, Is this better? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, just got to aim me at the mic, I guess. Uh, for the oscilloscope portion, uh, is uh, one of these uh, uh, one of these oscilloscopes is based around an LCD panel? The inexpensive things you can get off the off the eBay. Will that be sufficient for what you're going to be doing in that section? Um, well, to be honest, I'm not really sure um, what our you know implementation is going to be in the oscilloscope section. Um, there's uh, kind of to your point. There's a, a handful of audio, uh, simple audio scopes. Um, typically, those have small LCDs, though. Uh, I think you're probably after something that's in the uh, in the range of the Ricoh, Ricoh, um, or the other you know the other offshore supplied ones. Um, frankly, those are really, there's a lot, I guess in the display method, the display LCD is, is a small part of an oscilloscope. It's all the uh, electronics and the processing that goes behind it that really makes a good scope a good scope. So just at first blush, I would say probably not. But we're certainly open and finding some um, good boards, maybe some, um, uh, what's the word, experimenter boards from manufacturers that might do the job. Okay. And I guess at most ham fest anyway, you can pick up a used oscilloscope for often under 50 bucks. Oh, absolutely. Especially the older, well, of course, the older it is, the, the cheaper it is. But you, in some of the older uh, scopes, you you have full tubes, actual oscilloscope vacuum tubes. I'm looking at one I have here that I use for my modulation monitor um, on AM. And I've got another one on my back of the bench. We've talked about it before. It's the tried and true Tektronics uh, 46. I can't remember the name of it, but... Um, I, there's nothing wrong with it if you've got the space to put it on your bench. Absolutely right. Any other questions? And don't let the, uh, you know, d- don't let questions uh, fester until the episode comes up on, on here on the program. We've got a really good um, listserv, um, an email server that um, we can have active conversations in, in quite uh, asynchronous in, in nature. So post your question on the listserv, on the on the email, and uh, we'll get to it. Somebody might have good ideas for us. Okay, so let's get right into the test uh, gadget, and we'll spend uh, maybe 15 minutes at most, and we'll wrap her up. Um, but I think that's about all um, it would really require. There are two portions, <clears throat> two portions to the uh, DC voltmeter. There's the actual gadget itself, which is going to be the nature of you know all of our gadgets. There's going to be a small plug-in board. 
that can be replaced on top of uh, the main board, the main nano and display board, um, can be plugged in. And it contains whatever special circuits that are used to either demonstrate the principles that we're talking about um, or actually serve as an active test gadget, something that work can work for you long term. Here we've got a board, and you can kind of dial down as I'm speaking to uh, – uh, to the picture. Um, I just did not have enough time to get the, the, the system operational as I was hoping to. Ran into some problems with the Arduino and then uh, just time with the day job. But I'll get it working in another uh, couple of days at most. And I'll, I'll post the updates to the page and I'll put a video on the page of it in operation. Uh, but its intended uh, uh, use is to be able to switch the um, um, a rotary switch on the right-hand side of the of the proto board, um, which is, and the switch is represented in the, in the typical gang position in the schematic on the left side and the right side to take a DC voltage input on the left and put it through an appropriate attenuator that Joe was talking about. And he'll talk about the, the attenuating, uh, the, the, uh, the scaling resistors uh, in a moment, uh, but then the output of those scaling resistors is then put uh, through over to the Arduino baseboard directly into the analog input. Um, um, and as Joe said, there's a couple of clamping diodes there that prevent any over or under voltages that would likely uh, zap the zero to five input of the uh, analog input on the Arduino. The Arduino software, as um, as the simple manual DVM uh, indicates, is that uh, one would apply the algorithm is that one would apply the voltage and essentially um, start at the uh, at the top um, of actually at the at the lowest range five volts if the display um, if the analog if the voltage display on the LCD is uh, 3ff which is a maximum for 10 bits um, or in other words whatever that voltage uh, there's going to be a max or overflow would be displayed as it says there so if overflow is displayed that means you got to switch the scaling, uh, the range switch down one notch. In this case here, uh, it would then show to the, go to the 10 volt range. If it still says overflow, meaning that the voltage you're trying to measure is greater than 10 volts, you would want to go to the 20 volt range. In other words, this is pretty much the same operation as you would use with your DVM on the bench. Um, your multimeter. Ultimately, assuming that your voltage does not exceed 50 volts, you'll get to an appropriate range in which the uh, um, the proper voltage will be displayed on the Arduino. Now, in this simple uh, version, there you would press the uh, you would press the actuator on the on the rotary encoder to you would use the rotary encoder to select the proper range as well. So, in other words, if you flip to the 10 volt range and there's something other than overflow, if there's a number displayed there, you would dial the display to the 10 volt range and voila you would see the actual voltage to whatever percentage uh, of accuracy that is affordable there uh, displayed on the LCD. If you were dialed up to the 50 volt range and a number were displayed instead of overflow, you would rotate the uh, rotary encoder until you got to the 50 volt range and that voltage would be accurately displayed. So that's the technique. Basically, take the input voltage, uh, scale it down by an appropriate value um, such that um, it can be accurately represented in the uh, read by the Arduino and, and displayed in the LCD. Joe, you want to chat 
for just a moment about the uh, scaling resistors? Sure, George. Yeah. If, if you look at the values here, these are um, these are standard 5% uh, values. Um, if you look at the 5-volt range, there is a, um, a 9.1K um, resistor that is connected to ground that simply establishes a, uh, a ground input for you so that the input's not floating when um, when there's nothing connected to it. Um, and there's also the a 1K resistor from that um, 9.1K over to the switch that goes to the Arduino. Um, that's a, well, I won't get too at, anatomical about it, but that's for folks who uh, have put the wrong thing there. And while the diodes will clamp the input, there's nothing to limit the current. So that 1K resistor just limits the current. It's a uh, safety device. Uh, 10 volt range, simply uh, two 9.1K resistors. So it's a uh, two to one voltage divider. Take 10 volts down to uh, five volts. 20 volt uh, range divider is a four to one divider, 9.1K and 3K. It's approximately four to one, a little off. These are standard resistor values. And the, um, the 50 volt range, 9.1K and uh, 1K are pretty close to a uh, 10 to one uh, divider to uh, keep in range. If you wanted to get fancy, you could use precision resistors which would dial in a little closer to uh, exactly what you want um, to minimize any error. But um, this this uh, simply illustrates the principle of what you have to do and how we're going about it. Um, uh, back to you, George. Oops, wrong button. Okay, does anybody have any questions on the, uh, on the scaling resistors issue? Jim, go ahead. Jim, is that you? WA7DUI. Do you have something? <laughs> I guess uh, that was uh, not. Um, any other questions? Okay, let's move along to the measurements uh, baseboard, if you will, the measurement station, for lack of a better name. Um, the idea for this whole thing is, uh, is, is both Joe and I have been alluding to, is that this is low cost. This is a low cost way for you to play along with the electronics, to be building things, to have a a whole bunch of people that are able to assist you. If you have questions, anything from basics of which end of a soldering iron to hang on to, to um, um, function, how does an I2C display work or whatever. But you've got that uh, as a resource, and that's that's one of the main reasons here for chatting with the designers. In the measurement station, we chose to use an Arduino because it is inexpensive. If you scroll down a little bit, uh, <clears throat> a little bit, you can get an Arduino Nano Mini um, uh, for as little as six or seven dollars on eBay. Um, not bad at all. The uh, display shown there in the in the measurement station diagram is uh, is a really attractive uh, blue uh, serial display. Uh, two by uh, two rows of 16 characters each is is plenty for um, our purposes. We don't need graphics at this point. Although when it comes time to the TE uh, WATEE antenna analyzer, we may just go to a graphic display of a similar ilk. Um, really nice. But uh, the beauty of an I2C display, in addition to it also being about on the order of 4 or $5, is um, that it only requires uh, two data lines um, from the uh, Arduino. So it's very low pin intensive. And it's a lot better than the, the 
um, 8 plus 4, 12 lines that you need for a parallel display in the past. Um, and that's it. The protoboards, when you go down just a little bit on the screen, as I just did, um, the, the, these protoboards are from piece, the, the references at the bottom of the page. Um, and I got this on, uh, I found this and, uh, we got these things for, I think it was eight ninety five. So for $8.95, you get 17. You get like two of the big ones, three of the mid-sized ones, four of the um, mid-mid ones, whatever. 17 totals uh, is the total for. And um, they are really good quality. Cannot um, emphasize the quality and usefulness uh, enough. And even if for other projects than just uh, the test gadgets here, you'll find lots of uses um, on the bench. Um, I, I ordered like three sets just for myself, and I've got gadgets uh, in progress right now for the next three episodes. Uh, you'll be doing yourself a good service on that one. The, uh, the other thing that makes this inexpensive, and I follow this a lot here on my bench, if you go down to the uh, what I call the convenient power regulator or the breadboard voltage regulator kit from, oh, again, the link is on the bottom in the references section at the bottom. But this little uh, module is really handy to have. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have to find an LM7805 and a couple of caps and the 2.1 millimeter um, coaxial power jack and be nice to put an LED on there and a switch. I mean, I've done that like 59 times within the last couple of years, it seems. So um, having a little module like this for another six bucks, I can just either have a, a bunch of them, which I do, because many of my breadboards stay in operation, or you can just have one and plug it from one board into another into another. And it's just a real quick and easy way to get yourself five volts out of the standard 12 volts you, you, you likely have on the bench or coming from your lead acid batteries and so on. Um, they make versions of these too for, that provide 3.3 volts and 5 volts. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can get off of eBay and I take advantage of that. Alright, the, the, uh, the coup de grace, the pièce de résistance, the, uh, the thing that doesn't work is yet, is the, uh, is the test station itself. It says, uh, the first implementation, more to come, including the video. That's the, the photograph. So I've got uh, 12 volts power plugged into that power regulator module. The Arduino's uh, uh, humming away and the LCD is not <laughs> displaying as it should be. Um, the two little modules that uh, are shown as wings on this critter off to the right is the one that's going to be the uh, voltmeter test gadget. Um, all I need to do is finish putting the resistors on that. Um, and it's inputs and outputs that are plugged into a, you can't tell it too easily, but those are SIP uh, receptacles, uh, 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 serial inline package uh, strips of uh, receptacles and just take a pin header and plug it in and boom, you've got it. Similar one on the left, I just showed it for extensibility. If you have something that you want to run, some other gadget that you want to run with this gadget, and uh, um, the the larger knob is the switch for the uh, for the scale selection, uh, the range selection that is. And also, the, I put a uh, um, a small pot, um, small potentiometer on there, and I take 12 volts from the main power feed down below, and um, to the top of the pot, and the wiper goes to the input of um, 
you know, the voltage input, you know, per the schematic above. And the idea is for testing purposes, I can essentially dial in any, uh, any voltage that, um, I, I need in order to test the algorithm and the software, to test that the attenuators are doing their job. The only thing to mention is, um, as Joe did, is that the pot is low impedance enough such that it's not going to be affecting your the accuracy um, uh, because of the input impedance of the Arduino itself. Um, any questions on the implementation? We've got a few wrap-up comments um, about this uh, thing, but before we do that, uh, any questions about the, the proto boards, the LCD, the power module, the Arduino itself, or the whole kit und kaboodle? Yeah, Pat, go ahead. Uh, curious about the software. Yeah, so am I. The, uh, the software right now, as it stands, is a simple loop, and all it does is um, take in the input voltage, you know, from the right side of the schematic, and um, essentially multiply it by the uh, the millivolt uh, value of each of those ten bits. And then multiply that times the scale. So uh, essentially, a full scale of the uh, a full scale of three FF or actually three FE, just to be sure, since they're, we want to be able to detect overflow. Um, on a two volt scale, is going to be two volts. So two volts divided by ten twenty three is going to give us the millivolt value of of each of the bits that are represented. You know, after the A to D conversion. Um, the millivolt, and Joe might want to comment on this later, you know, how the accuracy is going to, uh, differ from, from range to range. So if you've got a 10 volt range coming in, if you've dialed up a 10 volt range and you have close to a 10 volt signal being measured, that 10 volt signal <clears throat> is going to be divided, uh, equally among 1024, uh, 1023 bits, 1023 bits, and each will have a different bit value than it were if it were just a two volt range, like I said. Um, but that's pretty much the, the software pad as far as, you know, the algorithm is to read a voltage, determine the uh, bit value based on the range, and then multiply it out and display it. Okay. So it's kind of a roll your own after you've got the algorithm then. I would just the display sometimes is an interesting challenge. Um, okay. Um, we use a lot of libraries in the, um, in the Arduino. In fact, there, oftentimes there's very little, unless you're doing something very specific, and we'll get there eventually. There's a lot of, there are a lot, a lot of libraries that take care of standard functions, such as displaying to different kinds of display devices, inputting from certain kinds of uh, input devices, such as a rotary encoder, such that you no longer really have to deal with the um, uh, the lowest level bits and um, representation of, of that particular device. You can if you want, but oftentimes it's, it's nice to rely on libraries to do the job. Um, are there other questions here? I want to turn it over to Joe for a second, but uh, any other questions first? Has anybody ever used these kind of uh, proto boards before, and, and what has been your success in using them? Uh, I'll chime on. in on that later. Oh, okay. Boy, I hope you all have uh, really tried to use these things before because they are really, really handy. I have long time been a, a fan of the uh, the old fiberglass uh, perf board. It's uh, it's easy to cut and shape and file and all of that. But when it comes time to put components into place, um, such as right here, I mean, you can see sort of that the pot on the right hand side of the of the the photo. Um, and same too for the rotary encoder. All I did was put them in the nicely spaced 10th inch holes 
and solder them up. And then on the bottom, um, oh, I don't have those pictures up, but on the bottom you'd, you'd see point-to-point wiring with some number 30 gauge uh, wire wrap wire that I've got a boatload of, and it's it's really handy to have since it is such fine, it is so small diameter, and then it's Teflon coated, so it won't I won't burn anything else as I'm soldering a, a nearby wire. Um, if it were a vector board, um, a um, perf board without the uh, pads in each of, at each of the holes. I would have to stick the component in and then somehow fasten a lead down by tying a wire around on the bottom side and soldering it. And, and I use a lot of epoxy when putting these things in too, so to make sure they don't move. And it, while it's just almost as nice, it's not as pretty green as this, it does end up quite functional. Uh, but this is a whole lot easier. And I have a big, big old bag of, uh, uh, SIP connectors, like what are shown here. And typically I, I put the SIP connectors underneath the Arduino. I put the SIP connectors under that power regulator module. I put the SIP connectors, um, elsewhere. So, um, it's, it's just really handy to provide easy plug-in, uh, uh, plugging in of the different, uh, components and modules. Uh, Joe, could you address please the, uh, the, uh, Accuracy at the different voltage levels. Indeed, as uh, as George mentioned, the uh, the resolution is um, um, resolution is one part in ten twenty three. So um, you know if you if you have five volts, uh, well, let's say you had one volt, um, the the lowest bit would be approximately a tenth of a millivolt. Uh, because of rounding error and various, uh, you know, the arithmetic involved and the, the fact that it's not an exact submultiple, the last digit will have a little bit of inaccuracy to it. But basically, the idea is that um, the the lowest, um, the, the smallest bit, if you have a four-digit display, the smallest number will have some inaccuracy to it based on the um, the going between the digital and the uh, um, analog um, decimal that is between the binary and the decimal uh, number systems and um, there, there will be some inaccuracy because you're going with uh, different full scale values but um, for three digits it'll be pretty good the fourth digit may be in a little bit of a uh, little bit of inaccuracy to some extent um, also the the tolerance of the resistors will affect that so if you want to be really um, Really not so. You can uh, pick um, the appropriate um, 1% value resistors with the appropriate ratios to get uh, just exactly what you want to get. And I want to I want to also point out something that I don't think George mentioned. The having the grid on these proto boards is extremely handy. I'm not sure if these boards have it, but many of them have um, along the edges. They have alpha along one side and numeric on the other side, A through Z and 1 through 10, so that um, you can very accurately count and decide where you're going to plop something in so that um, you don't have to, you don't have to count holes so much. You can go with a grid system to uh, figure it out. And having the uh, SIP um, plugs and uh, connectors, plugs and uh, sockets on them makes interconnecting modules very, very handy. Um, and as George also mentioned, in some cases, um, you'll just solder in something like um, um, ribbon cable to have a ribbon between them, or in fact, even ribbon cables with SIP connectors to do interconnections between the uh, 
uh, between the, the various modules. Very, very handy way of doing things. Back to you, George. Okay, Joe, thanks. And for the record, these do have uh, um, some uh, uh, grid indicators, as you said. So it's kind of handy. It e- and indeed is. I was going to cut some holes, and I wanted to be sure I was in the right row, and I just followed the right row on one side to the right row on the other side, and I was uh, indeed there. So that's it for the uh, the digital um, voltmeter test gadget. Um, the rest of the material here we've kind of covered in a little bit uh, of detail where we've mentioned it, and we're followed up by the references at the bottom. Um, we hope you're as much excited about the the uh, the growth potential or the legs that uh, this year-long project is going to give us. We'll have opportunity to do other kinds of things along the way, um, and we may not always adhere to things in the in the same order that we overviewed them today. In fact, we likely will not. Some will require some more work that requires more uh, testing and experimentation behind the scenes before we bring it to the air here on Chat with the Designer program. Um, but uh, uh, D- Joe and I like to design and talk about things that we enjoy using ourselves. This isn't just a sit around the microphone jabbing about uh, what's cool in the market and what uh, what joke that you might have heard yesterday, although we might inject some of those too. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's uh, building something that's useful, that's handy, and we learn something in the process of doing it. So I hope that you get a, get a kick out of doing that too and pass the word to all your buddies and your lists. And uh, I hope that you can make plans to join us for the second Tuesday of every month. And that's our, our goal. We may vary a little bit around that, uh, but we'll have a, a pretty tight standard deviation on hitting that mark. So uh, any other questions before I turn it back to Joe for kind of wrapping things up? Yeah, Rick, go ahead. So what's our homework assignment? The homework assignment would be to get those, if you're interested in doing this, to get those parts. I mean, it'll set you back probably a whole maybe $10, $15, such that uh, by the time you get the parts in the mail, I'll have the software completed, operational, and a video uh, posted such that you indeed also can uh, can be doing this thing. George, you're going to post the software for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jim. George, they're showing a long long time uh, for shipping on those two items on eBay. Oh, we'll do a search for some others. Um, there's there are many suppliers. Um, uh, do a little bit of searching around. If you find something that's uh, cheaper or sooner to be delivered, please uh, please uh, let the list know. Uh, our uh, our list. Everybody would like to know that. I'll do the same too, of course. Will do. All right. Other questions, please. Ah, oh, come on. You guys have got to be having some observations along the way. All righty, Joe. Um, why don't you uh, take us home and uh, kind of wrap things up for us? All right, very good. All right, this is our inaugural session of the um, the restart of uh, regular sessions of Chat with the Designers. Uh, our long-term goal for the year is to um, introduce you to some uh, test equipment techniques and to uh, provide some designs for modules to uh, let you do some um, relatively inexpensive but uh, very useful things with test equipment uh, around the shack. Things uh, tailored really primarily for homebrewers and uh, hams um, based on a, a very simple uh, microcontroller board, the, uh, the Arduino. Um, and along those lines, although we haven't emphasized it yet, um, many of you may not be familiar with the Arduino. 
it was originally conceived as a, um, a learning tool for uh, children to learn how to program computers, how to build small digital gadgets, computer gadgets, and to program them. So there is a wealth of information on the Arduino out there. If you're not at all familiar with it, I recommend you uh, do some searches. Um, there are any number of, um, um, there's very simple and it's no cost software that will allow you to program the Arduino to uh, plug in the programs that we're going to try to provide. And, uh, there's sources on the, uh, on the web for what George mentioned, the, uh, um, the basic modules, the uh, software modules that allow you to do the, the functions on the Arduino. Um, we'll try to assist you in coming up to speed on the Arduino as things go along and recommend some, um, I think in the next section we'll, session, we'll try to recommend some tutorial stuff and some things you can do to bring yourself up to speed with the Arduino. Um, we'll, we'll more or less hold your hand. And indeed, um, get on the chat with the designers uh, uh, mail list, and uh, we'll try to provide some of this information for you in almost real time. So uh, thank you all for listening. Hope um, hope we've gotten you excited in doing this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun in this year um, introducing small computers and uh, building some test equipment uh, of use to, uh, as I say, hams and homebrewers. 7-3, and see you next month. All right, good wrap-up there, Joe, and thanks again, everybody. Um, by the way, if anybody comes across larger boards than uh, 7 by 9 um, is the smallest, uh, is the largest board that I could find, 7 by 9 millimeters, oops, sorry, centimeters, no, uh, millimeters, centimeters. <laughs> Um, if you could find a board larger than about, uh, you know, if you can find a board about the size of four by five um, or larger, that would be really, really good. So uh, um, that, I've been having trouble finding something of a larger size like that. Anyways, I got to run. 20 by 25 centimeters. There you go. So I got to go run and eat my dinner. And uh, been great talking with you guys tonight. We'll see you all next time. Seven to three.